May I read you a journal entry from my friend Michael? He wrote this after going to a retreat center to find himself again in the midst of a stressful season of life. Michael writes, it took only a few hours of silence before I began to hear my soul speaking. It only took being alone for a short period of time for me to discover I wasn't alone. God had been trying to shout over the noisiness of my life and I couldn't hear it. But in the stillness and solitude, God's whisper shouted from my soul, I'm here, I've been calling you, but you haven't been listening. Can you hear me? I love you. I have always loved you. And I have been waiting for you to be able to hear me say that to you. But you have been so busy trying to prove to yourself that you are loved that you haven't heard my voice. It was in that silence that my soul was filled with the joy of the prodigal. My soul was awakened by a loving parent who had been looking and waiting for me. I was embarrassed. I would put on a good face for everyone else, but I didn't want to be confronted with my own brokenness. It was in that silence that I came to understand that I had misunderstood the Christian faith. I had always felt like my brokenness or my sin kept me away from God. But what God was saying was that in my brokenness, in my powerlessness, in my own weakness, Jesus was made strong. It was in the acceptance of my lack of faith that God could give me faith. It was in the embracing of my brokenness that I could identify with other people's brokenness. It was my role to identify with others' pain, not to relieve it. Ministry was sharing, not dominating, understanding, not theologizing, caring, not fixing. What does all this mean? I don't know, and to be quite blunt, that is the wrong question. I only know that at certain times in all of our lives, we make an adjustment in the course of our lives. This was one of those times for me. If you were to look at a map of my life, you wouldn't notice any difference other than a slight change in direction. I can only tell you that it feels very different now. There is an anticipation and electricity about God's presence in my life that I have never experienced before. I can only tell you that for the first time in my life, I can hear Jesus whisper to me every day, I love you, you are beloved. And for some strange reason, that seems to be enough. Come on home and let yourself heal. You can sleep for a thousand years. I won't let you disappear. Let your heart beat here. You've been running far and wide, doing what you hope is right, chasing what you feel inside. I will take your path as mine. I feel it in my ribs, I feel it in my soul, 
his pulse just grows so loud so has come to take me away I wear my ring to know what's at stake And when the days work at their own pace You'll remain my time and place I feel it in my ribs I feel it in my soul This pulse Thank you, Amy and Eric, for the gift of your music. Good morning, friends, um, and good morning to those of you who are with us online. Um, I'm Scott Gilliland. I'm the senior pastor here, and with me is Aaron Maines. And I'll say a word about Aaron in a second. As you can already tell, this is a different kind of sermon today. Um, and to center us in our time together, uh, I want to read a passage of Scripture from Joel chapter 2, beginning in verse 27. These words may sound familiar to some of us in the room, and if they not, I, I hope that they are life-giving for you. It says this, You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I, the Lord, am your God, and there is no other. And my people shall never again be put to shame. Then afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, 
Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. On the male and female slaves, even in those days, I will pour out my spirit. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, and for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. So we are finishing up today uh, a series on, called in, uh, Engaging, no, Encountering. I should know it by now. It's been five weeks in. What, what week is it? Encountering the Spirit, uh, where we have watched as not only this uh, beautiful contraption has grown in color, we've also been looking each week at a different story where that Ruach Spirit, that, that word in the Hebrew Bible for the Spirit of God, that breath of God that hovers over the waters of creation, that breathes upon us and, and breathes life into the church on the day of Pentecost. We've, in the echoes of Pentecost, been looking at the movements of Ruach, the Holy Spirit of God, in the Hebrew Bible. And um, today we are turning our attention forwards uh, to the church that we are becoming. Um, because as I'm sure it will not be a shocker or surprise to you, Christianity and church is changing uh, locally here in the context of America. And um, I'm joined this morning by Aaron Maines, whom uh, many of us that have been a part of Arapahoe UMC for a while know and love dearly. And a lot of us who have been new in the last uh, year or so during this COVID time, you may not be as familiar with Aaron. Aaron is the brains behind everything we've been doing online. Literally, the fact that you are watching me and hearing me say this right now is a credit to his leadership here. Um, but Aaron is more than the masterheim behind technology and online ministry. Aaron also is a spiritual director and has a passion for what we call deconstruction and reconstruction in our faith. We know that a common story held by those that find Arapahoe UMC and call it home is that the faith that we inherited, the faith that we were uh, raised in or were taught at some point in our lives, um, began to break down for us at some point. And we needed help in learning how to take apart and then rebuild um, a faith that is um, good and holy and healing for us. And so Aaron has devoted a lot of his time to that work here in a ministry called Room Two. Um, and back in April, Aaron presented a lot of what you're about to hear this morning to uh, a group of spiritual directors uh, about the role of the current and future church. And, and that's where I really want us to start today's discussion. And we're going to uh, go on a bit of a journey today. Um, Aaron, can you give us some context uh, about the changing shape of the spiritual landscape so that everyone in the room is on the same page? Because I don't want to make any assumptions. Sure. Um, let's start with bowling alleys. So good. That's a good spot. Yeah, that's natural. It's kind of a funny place to begin this conversation because um, but the truth of it is, is that pre-COVID, bowling was at an all-time popularity. Uh, it, bowling alleys are making money because people like to bowl. But if you look back into like the 1950s, what you'll find is people in the 50s and forward were bowling as part of bowling leagues. Whereas today, people are bowling because they like to bowl. So that, that really is a, a good example uh, that people are bowling. They're just not doing it in leagues. And so if you want to think about the church that way, um, it can be it can be kind of parallel so that people are into spirituality. They may not be into religion. And so we're going to talk about that some. But ultimately, the cultural fabric of how Americans operate in groups over the past 70 years has changed dramatically. So if you think about like 1950s on, um, the way we operate is just changed. I, I uh, drove by the other day there. Um, I think it's like a VFW hall or an American Legion kind of place. And I thought, 
it's strange to see those places, but I used to see, you used to see them a lot more um, around, but we see them a lot less as people are less and less into that kind of group context. And so um, the church is not immune to that change. That's a change of the kind of fabric of America and groups. The church is not immune to that. And Scott preached back in April, and he used a lot of graphs to talk about how people aren't attending. Too many graphs, some would say. <laughs> I like graphs. About how people are attending church. Um, they're, they're not attending church like they used to, and yet they still describe themselves as spiritual. And we're in the midst of what I believe is a spiritual awakening. And it's not just me. You can read books by people like Diana Butler Bass or David Kinnaman, and they'll tell you the same thing. Those books are all reporting the same things. Pew Research, Barna, they're all saying the same thing. And the, the primary thing that I'm hearing them saying is that the work of the Holy Spirit is ongoing, and it's changing the way that people interact with church. And so hmm. I believe that the role of spiritual leaders have to, has to change as well. Wow. Yeah. Spiritual leadership, I know, is, is one of the things that you spoke to um, in, in what I saw. And it's I think it's something we should pay attention to, especially someone like me who, you know, is a pastor. Spiritual leadership might be an important topic. Um, but uh, you were saying something about the, the specific spiritual roles uh, that people adopt and the way in which cultures have sort of identified a spiritual leader in different contexts in different ways. Um, so, so what do you mean by these spiritual roles? And, and, and are people like me, our pastors, uh, church nerds, the only ones that should be listening to this? <laughs> yeah, I think um, ultimately all cultures uh, have had people that are more spiritual that may be more or less formal depending on um, how, what role you play and sort of in your tribe, in your culture. So um, these, are, these can be a little strange to think about, but you might think about things, I mean, go back in human history. So empaths, witches, medicine men, healers, prophets, priests, pastors, mystics, maharishis, enlightened ones, and on and on. We, they're, all culture, all humanity has names for these people. Ultimately, they're spiritual people in the community um, and in, in our church world, we've just formalized it in right. a way. And so we point to these are the more, the spiritual leaders. If you want to do spiritual work, go to this person. That's mm -hmm. their job, right? Yeah. They're, yeah. they're set apart in that way. And what is really interesting is um, for a long time, I feel like we've used the church to have those experiences. Mm. But Pew Research is saying now that at least half of Americans uh, report to having some kind of religious mystical experience, mm. something they can't explain, but they they fully believe it. Um, and those experiences are often not heady experiences. Right. They're uh, they're just not that easily explained. So in Enneagram language, they may you may call them like intuitive, something mm. that you just know. It's intuitive or it's sensed. Um, and, and for those who don't know, Enneagram is a personality uh, way of understanding ourselves and others. Um, yeah. yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. We speak that language here at AUMC, and so uh, anyway. So yeah, so it might be like a, uh, like a, a felt sense, or um, it's like how when Carrie Underwood sings, Jesus take the wheel, mm. uh, <laughs> uh, you might hear someone say like, I felt God with me. Right. Um, and that's a way of them explaining a spiritual experience. Like, I knew that God was with me. I, but, but do they really know it? They, they feel it. They sense it. Wow. Um, and I think the language there is important that people are feeling God in their lives, as opposed to necessarily going to a formal place of worship to, or like watching online to make right. that experience happen. We're, 
I think we're sort of waking up to these spiritual experiences happening all around us. It's all more that relational over the ritual or the mm-hmm. religious yes. experience, but a relational experience. That should be a good thing. Yes, right? yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let, let's go back to bowling leagues because okay. <laughs> um, I, I find that topic as a way into talking about church. Fantastic. Um, Cause all of us here have played in bowling leagues. Obviously yeah, absolutely. Um, such a relatable we bowling uh, <laughs> entry. Yeah. We bowling. Um, <laughs> So are you saying um, that people are bowling more, sorry, you are saying that people are bowling more, but they're just not doing it in leagues. So essentially, if we were to relate that metaphor to churches, people are having those encounters with God, having that relationship with God, but it's not just happening within the walls of our churches. Right, right. So in 1950s America, it was sort of assumed that you were a Christian. There was no Mm. conversation around like, no one would ask you what you believed. Everybody sort of assumed we all believed the same thing. We were some brand of Christianity. Um, And then something really interesting happened in 1990, which is um, a new category of person showed up in research language. Um, And uh, these are people who, uh, in in 1990, there were about a million of them that showed up. So it's the first time uh, that that they see tracking. And those people say they have no religious affiliation or that they were done with church. And so Mm. that name has become the nuns and done. So in 1990, there were about a million of them. Um, in the last 40 years, that number has gone from 1 million to 70 million. Whoa. And that is roughly the size. I want to make sure that we all heard that. <laughs> 1 million to 70 million. And that's roughly the size of people who live in California and Texas combined. Wow. So it's a lot of people. That's I mean, a, have you been to Frisco? There's a lot of people. There's a there. lot of people there. Yes. <laughs> Eventually, the DFW Metroplex will expand to California right, somehow. Right. Yeah. So, People are bowling, just not in a league. Not in and um, the spiritual but not religious category is is just larger uh, than we maybe expected. Um, and again, Texas and California combined, it's, it's a lot of people. So people are having these experiences. They're having this relationship with God, but they may not have the the, the context or the framing to sort of, uh, quote unquote, make sense of it, I guess, or to have those kinds of conversations. Um, uh, maybe some are t- of the traditional means still give us that sort of holy guidance, right? I don't think I hear what you're saying is that what's happening here is just going to ultimately fail and break apart mm-hmm. and die. It's just, it's just changing and the way that we interact um, may change even as we bring some of what we've known into the future in a new form, right? right? right. So how do we listen for God's calling in our lives in, in that kind of a way? Mm, that's the most compelling part of the conversation to me. Um, Diana Butler Bass says this in, in one of her books. She's she says, one. the specific shape that Christianity will be taking in the next day in the next decade is already with us. And so we mm. can already see its contours. I love that. I, wow. I, uh, I know that as we come to understand God's, uh, how we come to understand God's leading in our lives comes primarily through reflection. And so um, uh, for us to spend a minute and look back and look and listen and notice for the things of God in our lives, um, that helps us hear it. So maybe it's some kind of spiritual practice that you you take on. Um, a, a lot of people are adding these sort of things. One of the pictures that we have of this in Scripture is uh, when God tucks Moses into the rock, right? Mm. God says, I'm going to move, and you're going to need to be here as I move past you because you can't, you can't necessarily see me in the present or see where I'm going, but you'll be able to follow me. And so that's why I love that quote from, 
from Diana Butler Bass that says, we already can see the shape that, that right. God is taking if we'll be looking and listening for it. I, I like that because it takes a little bit of the unease. Because I know there are plenty of us who are online or in the room that honestly, we, we enjoy church, right? We, we enjoy the traditions of church. We, if, when we talk about the future of everything changing, that can create some anxiety within us. But it sounds as though um, it's not like it's some like radical, brand new spanking thing. It is just a reorientation and re-understanding of what we have already known. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, in uh, Bishop John Shelley Spawn has a, a newer book out called Unbelievable. And in that book, he says, that people aren't as compelled by an explanation anymore, mm. but they're compelled by an experience. Yeah. And so if, as a church, if we have to offer people spiritual experience, and um, I love that as a spiritual director. Right. Um, I spend a lot of time talking with people and helping them to see the movement of God in their life. And um, that doesn't always mean like, let me turn in my Bible and show you how that relates theologically to yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, the idea of just being with someone um, being present. And I, I know it's such a gift to be back in the room together right. with people. Um, it, it has a different feeling. Uh, right. As much as I'm techie and online, it does have a different feeling being in the room yeah. and feeling connected. Well, because that, that experience aspect of it can't be overlooked, right? Because right. faith is more than just something to know. Um, in the Methodist tradition, we know that to be true, right? We have that language of our heart being strangely warm. <laughs> um, and and I'm, what I'm hearing you say from the perspective of a spiritual spiritual director, you know, it, it's proven true in my experience as a pastor too, because I've noticed even in my you know decade um, plus of serving in churches, that the kinds of questions that I'm getting today versus uh, ten years ago um, are different. And there seems to be this shift away from trying to simply understand and have doctrine explained, mm -hmm. right? A lot of the questions I, I made, a lot more questions I used to get were more about helping to understand the doctrines of the church and, 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 and more so now um, trying to understand perhaps the doctrines of the church, but in light of personal experience, right, right? right? Like that's the layer that I'm hearing more and more people wake up to of saying, I've experienced um, God, I, I, you know, I've experienced the movement of the Spirit in my life. I, I know what I believe. Help me understand how, if there's room for me at the table within mm -hmm. the Christian faith, right? So like, for instance, like how do I understand theologies of eternal life when I have so many loved ones, friends and family who do not claim the Christian faith? Right. Help me understand all of that, right? Where, where do I fit in that? Or, or another way to put it, here's my experience of God. How do I understand Jesus in the midst of my life? Help me to see if that is biblical, if the Christian mm -hmm. faith has room for me and for my experiences. And so it feels like we're, to me, we're living in this cultural moment where the individual and communal experience has to be taken seriously as a way of knowing and a way of believing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Thank you for that affirmation. <laughs> yes, you, but you this, have summed it up. <laughs> but this basic shift from, 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 from just knowing to experiencing. Yeah. And the I, questions are changing. Yes, the questions are changing. I, I think in my own life, I, I think a lot of you would relate to how, how we struggle with science and the Bible. How do we make the Bible make sense when science has taught us so many things that seem counterintuitive to what the Bible is saying? Like, how, how do our, our own human experience is maybe saying something different than a religious experience maybe yeah. telling us. And for, for a lot of us have, that experience that I, I distinctly remember um, on September 11th, holding the feeling of 
what it was sort of like what is happening like mm. how can this happen right um where is god in the midst of that you know right. as as two kinds of gods seem to come together in mm. an awful day and mm. i think people start to say well how can god be in the midst of any of that and so that's the kind of questions that are are coming more to the surface now not uh not a theological question where we're sort of trying to find do we agree on this point right we're trying to say like how does evolution fit into what create the creation story in the Bible says, right. or things we know about science, or or awful things that happen? What do we do with those things? Yeah, it's not it's not an effort to to like throw faith away in right. out of priority over you know underneath you know science or anything else, but about like if I bring my understandings, if I bring my experiences, and how can I do that hard work, that messy work of wrestling them mm -hmm. together in a way that. The way that works because we mm -hmm. want like faith in god to work and in that's the real good world. work right I mean, that's good work it's worthwhile work yeah. yeah yeah that's good you know i i think what i hear the the most is is from what you're sharing today and just knowing you and in the, the how you feel called in ministry is there seems to be this comfort level for those beyond the church where, where they don't need a doctrinal explanation or answer for every question it's really more than anything what they what people are looking for is to be taken seriously mm -hmm. and, and to have their experiences and questions taken seriously. Because if we can take their experiences and questions seriously, then we can take them seriously right, as a person. Right. Um, and, and I feel like when we try to rush people into some sort of quick dogmatic answer, and we've all experienced that in, in church in some form or fashion, when we try to rush people to some dogmatic answer, even if it is theologically sound and true, and we believe these things, you know, I sense in others that there's this disappointment that the question wasn't allowed to just linger mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. to be, um, because perhaps something new and more beautiful could have come out of allowing their story and their question and their self to be held in conversation with our scriptures and our doctrines and our answers, some of our answers mm -hmm. that we've worked on in the past in that tradition of the church. So um, my prayer is that we really don't miss the opportunity that comes from people holding more questions and more varying questions than perhaps ever before. Mm -hmm. This is leading us into a greater diversity of what it means to be spiritual and what it means to engage with spirituality. Right, right. And I think that's what is unique about Arapahoe. Um, and it brings me back to, the, to, to thinking about what our role in our community and our world is. And when I think about uh, the roles, I listed those roles earlier. Um, I came across a um, a study from the Sacred Design Lab at Harvard Divinity School. And they talked about um, looking for what the new roles of the church will be. And so if we can remember back, um, if we can remember back to the original list of empaths, witches, medicine men, healers, prophets, et cetera, et cetera, um, we can look at that list and know those were communal roles. Um, but how do, we, how do we as a people, as the body of Christ, incarnationally take on new roles uh, to begin working in our community amongst the people, mm. um, not just the pastors, but us as people too, right. and what those roles can look like. And this is what this is what the Sacred Design Lab pointed out. They said there are um, there are a number of kinds of roles that are accessible to everyone in this room and everyone watching online. Mm. Um, and these these people do things like this. They bring people together. You might call them the gatherer. Mm. They give a spiritual vision. They heal systemic racism and bring in the misfits. They use their financial blessings to fund new opportunities. They're open-hearted mentors. Mm. They begin new ministries and outreaches. And they imagine new ways to present God to the world. 
And so the words for those are words like gatherer, seer, healer, steward, elder, venture, and maker. So it's not just the pastors. Right. Thank God. <laughs> like this, so, I mean, when I'm hearing you say this, what I'm hearing is, is like I'm hearing echoes of Paul in Ephesians when he's is talking about the gifts in the church. He's saying some were given prophets, some teachers, mm-hmm. some uh, evangelists, right? And it's this idea that like, we don't need to just say one person's job is to engage with spirituality. Right, this is right. something that all of us share. So like as Aaron is sharing these words and these roles, like do you hear yourself on, uh, in that list? Do you hear people in the room or online? Do you hear friends or family on that list? And like we are all called to this spiritual endeavor together. Right. That's really encouraging. Right. And what's difficult about these roles is they don't have roadmaps like more traditional roles have. Oh, no, they don't? Um, but... <laughs> There's not like a how-to book on this? (laughs) But the good news is that they are all led by the Holy Spirit. And so as we as a church seek after the Holy Spirit and look and listen for the movement of God in in our lives and our world, that we'll find that and Mm. and know that. Mm. So if you're interested in knowing more about those roles, a small plug on the homepage of our (laughs) website in the blog. um, Did you write a how-to book? I wrote a how-to book. Uh, It's for sale. I'm just kidding. Get to work on it. There you go. It's on the homepage of our blog. There's a a blog. If you get on the homepage and scroll down towards the bottom, you'll see it. Um, And it gives you a little bit more information about these roles. You can dig in. You can actually go look at the uh, the Sacred Design Labs uh, spiritual roles, Very PDF, cool. and everything else there. Very cool. So that's ArapahoeUMC.org, and you'll scroll down to the bottom, and you can see Aaron's blog there and some of the work that he is pulling together um, for what he shared today. Aaron, I want to thank you for sharing with us today. Can we say thank you to Aaron um, for his leadership and his gift? Because I think what you were leading us to is is much more helpful language for folks than maybe some of the roles that we know from the past that we just didn't feel like we fit into well. But my prayer is that we can see ourselves and others in the kind of new roles that uh, Aaron and others are talking about. So I, I want to invite everyone to respond by by going and reading that blog post and and spending some time in prayer and trying to see wh- wh- where am I on this? Because I promise you are somewhere. You-, you have a role to play, all of us do, and we will be a better church when all of us embrace the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to us uniquely as individuals. We and our surrounding community will be, will be blessed by that. So um, let's take a moment to pray and close in prayer and-, and invite the Spirit to fall afresh on us today. Gracious God, we, um, we give you thanks for this day. And we give you thanks for um, spiritual, spiritual directors and forward thinkers and lookers like Aaron, um, who not only have a, a great understanding of where we've been, but also ask the really fun and interesting and at times challenging questions of where are we going. And God, I want to give you thanks for the diversity of the church and yet uh, the unity that you call us to, not to all be the same, but to in fact embrace our uniquenesses so that we can bless one another in that uniqueness. God, we give you thanks this morning for the gatherers and for the seers and the healers and the stewards, the elders, the venturers and the makers and for the roles yet to be discovered. Would your spirit fall upon us once again? Ruach, spirit of God, would you breathe new life upon us and lead us in new and exciting ways far beyond the walls of these church to cultivate that spiritual experience in ourselves and in others. For the gift of the spirit, God, we give you thanks. And it's in Christ's name that we pray and say, amen.